0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Welcome friends to another r slash pro revenge video. We've got a lot of crazy stories today, so let's get right into it. Our first story of the day is from Telegraphonics. A co-worker intentionally ripped me off, so I tracked them down, publicly outed them, humiliated them and created a major spectacle busting them to take back my property. I went to work recently, and I had a really hard night. I work in a very demanding industry with the general public. At work, sometimes people are very difficult, and that particular night, I was assaulted by a guest. It was a very difficult night and ended with a police response which was humiliating to me that I needed help from an armed officer. I was embarrassed about it. When it was all said and done, I clocked out and I left work. And when I got to the transit center, I went to check my phone for the time so I could see how long my wait would be. I discovered my phone was gone. I was upset because I knew I had to go back to the facility to search for it with some OPS guys who would need to bring a flashlight so we could look into some nook and cranny. That took over an hour. After not finding it, as it wasn't turned in at command or in our office, I left. I traveled home and was very disappointed. I'd gotten my butt kicked and then somehow my phone came up missing. I then retraced my steps and realized that the last time I remember having my phone was in the employee area prior to clocking out. So it hit me that my phone had come up missing from an employee only area as staff have a separate entrance from guests. I then felt pissed off and determined. It hit me that after I got beat up at work by some wild woolly mammoth, one of my own co-workers ripped me off. I regretted not installing a phone tracking app in my phone. It was a cheap phone, but it was mine, and it was full of my contacts and login access and banking info, etc., etc. Pictures of the baby. I wanted it back. Not having it was going to make my life harder. At that point, it hit me that all the apps on my phone were probably tracking my phone, and so I wondered if there was any way I could track the phone from my laptop at home. After an hour or so of research and reading, and trying various tracking methods, I discovered that my Google account was logged in on both devices, so I could open the Google account on my laptop and go in and see the location of the other device logged into my Google account. To my surprise, the locator showed a pin on an apartment building not too far from me, less than a mile away to be exact. I felt adrenaline, I felt exhilarated. I was determined to get my phone back. I called the police and was told that they couldn't deal with it until business hours the next day. I then waited until the crack of dawn and went over to this nearby building where I tracked my phone to after business hours started to check it out. It was a fourplex apartment building, very small. A lady saw me looking at the mailbox and she came out to talk to me. I told her I was looking for the employee of a certain facility that lived there and she confirmed that someone who works at our facility did live there. She asked me why I didn't know their name and I said I was there tracking my phone that they had. She immediately perked up and was in a hurry to take me up there. She gave me the vibe that she didn't care for that tenant and was more than happy to help. I went up and called the police from the welcome mat of the apartment my phone was in to let them know I had arrived as advised. I made the call very loudly so the phone thief would hear and know that they were cornered. I was putting the pressure on. A little leverage. The door to the apartment behind me opened up then, and the thief's neighbor peered out at me curiously. I smiled and said, Hi, I work at X facility. Someone who works there stole my phone from the employee's only lounge. I tracked it here with an app. Our facility is a little prestigious, and my job kind of comes with some swag. So this lady smiled a small smile, and she looked almost smug, and she then nodded at me and said, Alright, and closed the door quietly with a smirk. I had a feeling she didn't like the neighbor either. Then I applied more pressure. I knocked on the door about 20 times loudly. I shouted that I was an employee of X facility and that another employee had stolen my phone, but I'd tracked it there. Neighbors had confirmed that an employee of the facility lived there in that unit and the cops were on the way, so send it out. The door swung open. A strange older woman I'd never seen before came to the door and handed it out to me. She looked scared and angry. I had a feeling she wasn't the thief, but that they lived with her. She had a pissed off mom vibe. I went down and told the woman who helped me and brought me in that I'd gotten my phone back. I thanked her and left. Then, on the way out, I photographed all the names on the mailbox for that unit. It was a fourplex, and one unit was vacant, so I'd managed to inform both the phone thief's neighbors that they were a dishonest neighbor. I could tell, too, that there was pleasure for them in my revenge. It was a loud, bold revenge. On the way home, I felt pretty satisfied with myself. I was savoring my victory. My housemates were impressed. I had used a tracker to find my phone and taken it back from the thief while bringing them a public shaming. Then I sent a note to my accounts manager and HR describing the situation. Command knew that I was searching for the phone when I left. Ops and security guys had tried to help me find it, so everyone knew it was missing. I told them I had evidence as to where the phone had been tracked to in my device location history. Then I sent the address of my co-worker and a screenshot of all the names on the mailbox, one which looked familiar as if I'd seen it on a company badge. At that point, the next few times I worked, I waited until people were gathered around me in the employee locker room to tell my tale, telling each group of workers what happened and what I did about it. Then I told them to look out for that particular name on another worker's badge. Everyone said, yeah, they worked with somebody with that name before. That's who stole my phone after I got beat up that night at work. Yeah. Everyone laughed and laughed. I can only imagine that the thief will never steal another phone again so long as they live for fear that the owner will track them like a dog to take their property back and publicly shame them. I still smile to think about it. It was a revenge to save her. If you lost your phone or you knew that somebody stole your phone and you were able to track the address would you be willing to physically go there or would you try desperately to get the police to help let me know in the comments down below if you would dare go out searching on your own for that phone's location our next story is from whisperly revenge sushi one mac and cheese zero i'm a 40 year old female my partner 40 year old male does most of the cooking I do other tasks around the house, like cleaning the bathrooms and fixing stuff. We don't always eat together or the same meal because we work different hours and we enjoy the freedom of eating what we want. So sometimes he'll make cauliflower for one, his fave but I'm not a fan, and I'll make a salad. Tonight he wanted to make mac and cheese for the both of us. Then we have this text convo with me saying, Yum, we're out of cheese. Can you get some on your way home? He says, We still have cheese in the fridge. I say, Nope, I checked and we're out. He says, are you sure? Please note, I was working from home, which he knew, and physically checking the fridge. I wasn't just guessing that we were out, hence saying I checked. He does this all the time. He's not a mansplainer, but he's very insecure, I guess. And he's 100% a man questioner. I dislike it because 1. Please just believe what I tell you. 2. All these questions are making me double-guess myself. I've straight up told him that, like... We've had that discussion many times this time rather than assure him yes i'm sure i just stop replying if he thinks that we have some imaginary cheese left over in the fridge fine he can use that for the mac and cheese meanwhile i know we're out of cheese so and here's where i may have been the jerk i place an order for sushi for one partner gets home checks the fridge surprise we're out of cheese he proposes to make noodles instead and I tell him to go ahead and cook for one because I'll eat something else. He makes the noodles, sits down to eat, and the delivery guy shows up with my petty revenge sushi, which was delicious, by the way. This is definitely one of those situations where maybe it's okay for Opie to keep doing this thing until hopefully their partner understands if Opie's saying that we're out of something, that means they're out of something, they're not just guessing. It's definitely more on the petty side, but I understand being frustrated from that. Our next story is from Chaotic King. Good, Food Thief will never steal someone's lunch again. I worked in an office where there was a break room food thief who would not quit no matter how many angry meetings were held about it. For some reason, the thief really liked my sandwiches, so one day I finally had enough and I liberally doused my sandwich with the most ridiculously top Scoville rated hot sauce that I could find like so hot that the reviews from people who loved really spicy things were saying that they couldn't handle it. The thief didn't think anything was wrong because I often put hot sauce on my sandwiches. We found out who the thief was really fast because all of a sudden, an employee who I knew did not like me started yelling, oh my god, again and again, and trying to drink a million glasses of water. They never stole a lunch again. I definitely love revenge stories like this, but I'm kind of feeling a little left short. I want to know if people called them out on it, like, obviously you know who did it because of that reaction, but did you guys point it out, did you yell at them, did you say, guess we know who the food thief is? By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. They're chocked full of awesome stories like our next one from OK Outlandishness1363, He's not my boss, sir. For a while, I worked for an agency that assists low-income households with energy and gas for a flat rate. I assisted with applications over the phone for people who had trouble navigating the website. This story takes place about six months after I was hired. For the sake of the story, Bam is bad butt manager, E.D. is the entitled jerk, and me, obviously. All of the employees are currently working from home at the time. It's 9.12am and my phone starts ringing off the hook. I answer and the following ensues. I say, good morning, Wax and Jay Assistance Office. My name's Emily. How can I assist you today? Entitled Jerk says, yeah, Emily, hello, finally, God, I hope they don't pay you to be lazy like that every day. The phones don't typically open until 9.15am, so I'm being nice by answering. I say, great, so what can I help you with? They say, yeah, I was filling out my application with Richard. He's not my boss. He's a guy that does the same thing I do every day at work. They say, he's probably your boss, but I doubt you know him. I lost connection and have tried calling for three days straight after my call on Friday was dropped. I say, I can actually assist you with that application right now. If you could give me your first and last name, I can pull it up. They say, listen here, you dumb brat. I want to talk to Richard. He's your boss. Let me talk to your freaking boss of the entire company. I'm going to have Richard fire your lazy butt. I say, oh yes, of course, sir. Let me transfer you to our district manager. The entitled jerk to someone in the background says, see, I told you Richard was the manager. Obviously, women can't handle things like this. I put him on hold and do a warm transfer to our district manager, who is a single mom who works 60 plus hours a week, helping people to be able to afford electricity and heating services. I give her the rundown, and I could picture her face go from zero to izma in .2 seconds. She lets me know after the call that the guy made almost $250,000 a year. They really wanted to take from people who can't afford basic necessities of life to save a couple hundred dollars a month. He was blacklisted, and she called around to other state agencies to let them know to be on the lookout for him. He did file a complaint against Richard, why though? I think we'll never know you gotta love all the check boxes a person like this checks off total jerk wants to steal from the poor wants to save money that is almost meaningless to somebody who makes as much as they do you gotta love that they're willing to spend that much time and get that stressed out just to pinch their pennies a little bit more our next story is also from chaotic for king good treat the wait staff badly enjoy your birthday song I used to work in a popular Italian chain restaurant and we gave free chocolate cake for birthdays. Especially on Fridays and Saturdays, we had tons of them. If you weren't a jerk as a customer, the person who sang happy birthday to you was me. I was a singer at the time and had the best voice in the crew. Note, I am not saying that I was Beyonce or anything. But if you were a jerk, you got Jose. Not only was Jose a really bad singer, but he would purposely make his performance even worse. He knew he was a bad singer and thought it was funny, so he was fine with it. Everyone, especially me and Jose, got a massive kick out of watching the awful customers' faces when they heard Jose sing. It was priceless. Happy birthday to you. Oh boy, what a joy. To be fair though, the amount of people that go to these places and say it's their birthday for the free chocolate cake, I wonder how many of them actually are celebrating their birthday. Like, I think it's more common to hear about people pretending to say it's their birthday for the free chocolate cake, or saying that it's their friend's birthday as like a prank, than it is to hear about people actually just asking for it. Our next story is from Linguidbot. Sketchy landlord learns expensive lesson. I wasn't the tenant in the story, but it was a former roommate of mine, and I had a front row seat to the events. So my friend, let's call them Paul, returned to my city after living out of state for a year or so. He needed a place to stay while he got himself set up with a job and a new apartment. I had a spare bedroom, so I offered it to him for a cheap price. That way, he could be month to month and just move out when he was ready. He probably stayed with me about six months, found a new job, saved up some cash, and signed a lease on a new apartment. Everything seemed fine. Paul liked his new studio apartment in a large apartment building. It wasn't far from work, near transportation, and in an area where he had other friends. Great. He got all moved in and seemed to be set, until he realized the apartment had bed bugs. He wasn't there a week before he started finding bed bugs and bed bug bites of course. So he did what anyone would do, he contacted the landlord's office to report the problem and ask about solutions. The office claimed that they had no other reports of bed bugs, they had no idea what he was talking about. Maybe he already had bed bugs when he moved in, you get the idea. Well, Paul knew they were lying, so he started talking to his neighbors on the corridor. And of course, he found others were also dealing with bed bugs, and that the landlord had given them the same BS responses. So Paul decided to do a bit of research to see what options the tenants had. Turns out, they could easily report the problem to the city inspectors, and the more reports they got from the same address, the more likely they were to prioritize sending someone to inspect the building. Paul put together the info for reporting with suggestions for what to mention and asked his neighbors to make reports. Some of them must have followed through because it wasn't long before Paul was contacted about the issue. He had bagged up all of his stuff and returned to my house but still had the lease and keys for his place. He met the inspector at the building and showed her his apartment. It was clearly infested and there were signs in the hallway. The inspector turned out to be a young woman who was very dedicated to her job. She told the landlord it was their responsibility to cure the infestation. The landlord wanted to bring in his usual exterminator to treat the apartment and hallway. They tried that, but it didn't fix the issue. The inspector eventually insisted that they tear out the carpet and sections of flooring where the infestation seemed to be centered. By now, the inspector had seen that multiple units were affected, so the costs were mounting. She also discovered that the building hadn't had a proper inspection in years. The landlord was dodging her and didn't want to set up a time for her to do a full inspection, of course. Well, after he negotiated to get out of his lease, Paul gave the inspector the punch code to the front door and pointed out several things that he thought the landlord was hiding, including bed bugs on other floors, malfunctioning elevator, old fire extinguishers, illegal basement level units, improperly stored building supplies, Tripping hazard floor and laundry room, damaged walls and corridors, the inspector called Paul and let him know that she'd returned to the building on a couple of occasions. Once she was meeting the building manager, she let herself in a little early and walked up on the manager trash-talking her and saying how he didn't want to be bothered. The family-owned firm that owned that building had several large apartment buildings in the area, and the inspector intended to visit them all. She had already found tens of thousands in repairs for Paul's building that she was insisting the owner make ASAP. Given how they were operating, I'm sure all of their buildings were in a similar state. They made an expensive mistake when they tried to ignore Paul. Yeah, it's definitely one thing if the new tenant introduced the bed bugs, but, uh... No remorse for a landlord that gets handed thousands of dollars in charges after they had gone and tried to not only mislead OP, but multiple other people that had to just deal with these bed bugs until they could finally group together. This next story is from Dry Mastodon 7574 using my petty powers for good. My college roommate became incredibly homesick and left school about halfway through. We still kept in touch. Some years after graduation, she asked me to be a bridesmaid and I was thrilled. I didn't know anyone else in the party and they didn't know me. The week of the wedding, the best man's girlfriend insinuated herself into the wedding party. She's one of those people who act so badly that no one knows what to say and people will do anything to avoid her. You know this kind of person. Again, she wasn't engaged to the best man, but just figured they'd get married. So she followed the bride around and criticized the wedding by comparing it to her imaginary wedding, which of course would be grander. You're getting married in this banquet hall? I'm going to have a wedding on the beach. It's going to be so much better. It was death of a thousand paper cuts, subtle enough that no one could figure out how to step in and obnoxious enough to drive the bride crazy. The groom kept intervening, redirecting her, if not completely questioning why she was there, but he also had things to do. The best man seemed embarrassed into silence. This is what you need to know about me. One, I live in New York City. 2. My fiancé had just started law school. 3. I'm obsessed with Fifth Avenue, but no, I don't shop there. 4. I can come off as the Duchess of Essex even in secondhand clothes. It was a few days before the wedding. We were setting up and partying. When I walk in, the bride tells me how the girlfriend was driving her nuts. I ask the bridge to show me all the plans. As we go through what's happening, the girlfriend's still doing her BS but now everything the bride shows me is tasteful and suits her and everything the girlfriend interjects is quaint and popular. Of course, I say it with such disdain. White roses are so classic. A friend of mine had a wedding at the plaza and it had white roses everywhere. Oh, silver roses? That's a bit expensive. Most people just use them in an attempt to be impressive. Now, I had just gotten engaged and hadn't started planning, but my imaginary wedding was going to be spectacular. By this time, the bride realized what I was up to and kept goading me to share the details of my wedding, but I kept shying away. Eventually, the girlfriend begged me to share, so I did. My Tanzanite engagement ring came from Tiffany's. I was having a very small destination wedding at a vineyard in Tuscany where my fiancé proposed to me. I haven't decided on a designer for my dress. But I promised the bride that she would come to the fitting at Bergdorf Goodman's when that happened. The girlfriend was completely demoralized. Suddenly, her beach wedding didn't seem so fancy, and slowly she faded into the background. Two days later, the wedding was gorgeous, the bride and groom happy. A month after that, the best man broke up with the girlfriend. I had a modest, affordable wedding, but for a brief moment, I was a rich heiress getting married in Tuscany. It was fun. Sometimes you gotta humble some people, and if that means you gotta put on a mask and just make sure that they know there's always a bigger fish out there, then so be it. Especially when it makes somebody that's just overly annoying and suggestive just kinda pipe down back to where they should be. Our next story is from Creative Fun 228. You should smile more. This is not one of those I waited on this revenge for years story, but rather one of those that makes your day a little better. My job is very strict and professional and practically requires a poker face, but my poker face often looks like a resting witch face. Through five years of my job almost every other day, I get that freaking, you should smile more sentence. I would politely say that we're not doing anything funny right now and proceed with my job. While they insist, even though we aren't doing anything funny, it doesn't hurt to smile. I just don't reply to that, wrap up my job and greet away. Today was the last straw that broke the camel's back. Another one rolls up. I feel his looks on me while I was scanning his documents, and he goes, Did someone make you mad? I don't reply, and he still insists. Why aren't you smiling? I say my usual line, and he still pushes it, and I snapped and said, My grandmother died. Do I still have to smile for you? I could see how he started to blush, and then he started to stutter like, oh, I didn't know, I'm so sorry, my regrets, yada yada. I just shrugged him off by telling him, next time, you'll probably think before you tell someone to smile for you. Of course, my granny didn't die, I didn't even meet my grandmothers. But I hope he learned a lesson that not every female in the world is willing to smile to him just because he said so. Next one who says that to me will get, no, I don't think I will smile. Smiling gives wrinkles. As somebody that just has a naturally like sad looking face, I really resonate with this because there's times where like back in high school during like gym class, I might be sitting off to the side just chilling and just because of the way I look, I'll have people asking me, hey, are you okay? Are you sad? Or Is everything alright? Uh, yeah, everything's fine. There were times where like I wasn't sad, but after the interaction, it almost made me sad because the people would be like, you look like you need a hug. And I would just be sitting there like, uh, okay? In my mind, I'm like, nothing's happening and I'm completely fine. Our next story is from Effects. Petty but oh so rewarding revenge on my snooze button hitting wife. My darling princess wife, the absolute love of my life, hates getting up in the morning. She is, by her own admission, not a morning person. Each and every morning when her alarm on her phone goes off, she hits snooze over and freaking over again. I've asked her several times to just get out of bed on the first alarm and be done with it. I've asked her to change the time that the alarm goes off if she wants to sleep late. She apologizes and promises to change her behavior. She complies for a while but soon reverts to the snooze button monster. So now when I get up in the night to have a pee, I'm old, it happens and it'll happen to you too, I move her phone away from her bedside table. Sometimes I put it in the ensuite, sometimes I put it in the cupboard, sometimes I put it under the bed, sometimes I put it in another room. Now when her alarm goes off, she has to get out of that bed to find that screeching incessant dream breaker. She knows that it was me, she knows that this is petty revenge for disturbing my sleep unnecessarily, and so I lie in bed all nice and smug. It's a very good thing that she still loves me. To be fair, I definitely feel bad for OP. I am awful with alarms. I will set multiple alarms so I can wake up and have that moment where it's like, oh, I still have an hour left. And I think that's just only helped me get more used to going back to sleep after the alarm goes off. I also love taking the chance of being five minutes more, okay, five minutes more, snooze, snooze, snooze. If there's one thing that I'd need to change about myself, it's definitely getting up when an alarm goes off. And our final story of the days by Seesaw Mundane 5422 Petty revenge at the airport COVID testing station Girlfriend and I just got back from a lovely trip to Italy. This isn't my revenge, but it was a pleasure to witness. Flying back to the U.S. and probably some other countries still requires a negative COVID test. Girlfriend's good about thinking through details, and she pointed out that we can get our COVID test the day before the flight and avoid stress the morning of. I scout out the airport in Rome, about 3 in the afternoon, and the on-site testing is pretty empty. So I grab her from the hotel and we go over. Unfortunately, when we get there, it's no longer quite so empty. There's a large group of very loud men, like 10 to 15 of them all in line ahead of us. The check-in staff is doing fine, but you can just feel the waves of tension rolling through the air. My girlfriend and I are fine. I mean, it's Italy and we've appreciated the laid-back, but very competent vibe of the country. We aren't flying out until the next day, so we aren't in any rush. But we can just tell that these guys are raising the blood pressure of the staff. Shouting, taking their masks down to shout, not wearing their masks properly in a COVID testing area, and just generally being difficult where if they'd settled down, I think things would have moved along faster. It was clear they had left their testing to the last minute and were in danger of missing their flight. But hey, your lack of planning doesn't constitute a crisis for the staff, now does it? It's kind of difficult to put into words what these guys were doing. They weren't speaking English, but they weren't speaking Italian to each other. I'm not totally sure where they were from, but they were just exuding loud, obnoxious, demanding, self-important masculinity to a mostly female staff. So they finally check in, and they take their tickets, and they move en masse to the testing area, and are loud and obnoxious and demanding there too. Here's where the petty revenge came in the doctor running the facility was doing intake. Maybe they were all doctors, I don't know, but she was, which I found out at the end because she signed the form which required a doctor's signature. Anyway, she made sure this gang of 15 guys got trickled in through testing two at a time. My girlfriend and I made sure to be polite, and I speak a tiny bit of Italian, so I made sure to greet the staff and ask sympathetically how it was going, and lo and behold, we get seen right away and got our test results right away, as this group of loud obnoxious guys had to wait. There was nothing outright rude about the way the staff handled it, but I could tell the vibe was very much, you're making our lives harder with your attitude, fine. We will not be rushing to help you make your flight. I almost lost it when my ticket, 385, was called, and one of the guys came up and tried to claim my results with ticket 382. I could see 3 tests completed at the station, so I'm positive the doctor could have helped him if he and his group had been pleasant, and I wouldn't have minded. We'd explained our flight was the next day during check-in, but the doctor explained firmly that he had the wrong ticket number and sent him back to wait. Then they gave me my results. Then my girlfriend's results, we'd checked in together, she had ticket 384. We thanked her and moseyed back to the hotel for some drinks, as some of the group that had come in front of us was still there waiting to be served. I don't know if they made their flight or not, and I won't claim the medical staff wanted them to miss their flight, but they didn't not want them to miss their flight either. And it was all done so smoothly, I'm not sure the guys even realized the staff had taken their petty revenge on them. But if any of you doddery in the Roma Aeroporto read this, well done." I hope the rest of your day went better. Needless to say, stuff like this is definitely an inspiration as to why I try to treat all these people who work retail type jobs with respect. Even if I'm like really stressed out or under pressure, I'm not going to act out and lash out at these people who have nothing to do with the real situation and only stand to make it worse if I do act out like that. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today.